Welcome to the Intuitive Mind Solutions Podcast, where we help people help people. Our vision is to support all the individuals out in the world who are helping others become better versions of themselves. We represent a group who create Intuitive Mind Solutions for the challenges in the world today. Human potential has been limited because we have forgotten that our true strength as humanity is the ability to work together. We will stand by your side, we will have your back, and we will do whatever we can do to support you and your vision to help others. Today, in this age of awakening, it is time to bring the intuitive minds of intuitive people together to awaken the rest of the world. We are here to bring together the right people at the right time to create the right solutions that the world needs in order to thrive. The Intuitive Mind Solutions Podcast is hosted by Dr. Matthew Bresky and co-hosted by Dr. Adrian Orain and Joshua Baudouins. Stay relaxed, everybody. Hi, everybody. I'm Dr. Matt Bresky from the Intuitive Mind Solutions, and we are here today with the Council of Controversy, and we were just having a controversial discussion about the name of our group. So this is something that is possibly going to change in the future. And I'm here with uh, counselor in psychology, Joshua Baudouins. I'm here with my good friend, Chris Burns in Mississippi and Ben Brownsberger in uh, Boston, near Boston. Correct? Ben? Ben is disconnected. Yes. Ah, yes. Okay. So. Um, Having like radical feedback sorry guys uh, so anyway what we're going to be doing today is first off our first uh, discussion we had a couple weeks ago we were deciphering COVID-19 and we were talking about certain truths that we were able to filter out from all the misinformation we were sharing information on maybe possible agendas over what this uh, agendas that exist for certain groups that surround COVID-19. And it's gonna lead us up to our next conversation, which is gonna be in two weeks, but right now is kind of the segue to that conversation. And we're gonna get a little bit of preparing for their listeners to uh, prepare for the next discussion because we're the next uh, calls discussion is gonna be about probably one of the most talked about controversies that is in the world today right now. And that is the vaccination controversy and the, the situation around it with COVID-19. And I hear from a lot of people, um, they're saying that they can't wait for this COVID-19 um, vaccination to come out so the world can go back to normal. Now, we need to have a discussion and a serious discussion and, and for the next call in a couple of weeks, we're gonna be getting experts that we can find that wanna just help us decipher, decipher this situation because the truth needs to be heard by everybody about vaccinations and the risks that are involved on imposing a vaccination on the public and people and 
the risks of an actual vaccination that they're producing to beat COVID-19. And so I want to kind of start the segue into that and why we would discuss this. And I'm going to just, if anybody wants to add to this right now and give a little bit of um, information, anybody want to talk about it quick? Which part? Uh, well, just about your, your perspective on this vaccinations and why we should be having this conversation because honestly, if, if, if we don't have the conversation about the so-called vaccination to COVID-19, then what is everybody just going to blindly take this vaccination and think that this is the cure-all to this deadly virus that kills what percent of the people? No, it, what, no what, I'm not. But what percent is it? exactly do we know that number it's no low. we don't we don't uh, we don't we, because the the polls on facebook everybody uh, on that poll says he does not going to take the vaccination there's like 10% says they will and everybody uh, on the claims on mainstream media are telling the the contrary like like 80% is or 60% is pro vaccine uh, I just can't believe that that those two lie such far distance apart. And myself, for myself, I I will never take the vaccine uh, because there are too much factors that warn me warn me about uh, that there's something else going on, like uh, with the hydrochloroquine and zinc and other stuff uh, that 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 we see that has. Uh, very good results in France and also in America I heard but didn't confirm that but in France it's confirmed and in Germany and, and some places it's also confirmed and if we have this hydrochloroquine uh, our um, medical health department bought all the hydrochloroquine there is to buy in the Netherlands for themselves so when these kind of games are going on um, I'm, I'm getting anxious about getting a vaccine because I don't know what the intention of the vaccine is. Until I don't know what the intention of the vaccine is, I am not going to take it. It's that simple. Benjamin? I think that sounds like a fairly uh, legitimate perspective of a percentage of the population and people feel like they are being lied to. And I think that's the real problem with the vaccines. Like you said, why are we talking about this topic? Um, I think when there are poisons and when there are ingredients that are in these vaccines that either don't need to be there or do real harm to the people that they're vaccinating also, um, that there's reason to be concerned about it. And why are these vaccines being made the way they are? Why is it okay for this to happen? And who is controlling this as a directive? Somebody has to be in charge of making these decisions. Who is that? And, and why are they doing it? Um, I think these are the questions that we need to ask. And you know, we'll see if it just leads to corruption or we'll see if it leads to the eugenics Nazi movement is alive and well. And there is good funding for it. And they are using the WHO as an experiment. And have been doing so for some time and they're having a lot of success with it right now. 
Um, there's the other portion of the population that's scared that, you know, they don't receive this poisonous vaccine to cut them off from the rest of the population. You can't attend school, you can't go to the library, you can't go to public places, whatever it is. Um, and, and even worse, you know, economically. So I think that's a, a scary perspective. That's the stuff that we need to talk about. Yeah. You know, even Joshua has mentioned that in the Netherlands, there might even restrict travel to leave the country um, unless you have the vaccination. They were talking about some kind of travel ban uh, and the vaccination passport. That that's not all. That's not only uh, in the Netherlands. They're talking about that in Europe. Uh, that's one thing that scares me. The second thing that scares me is if there is this good success with hydro hydrochloroquine and azithromycina and zinc in this this cocktail and this works why is it not used as a treatment that the the second thing i'm scared of and the the last thing was this pneumonia doctor uh, a lung doctor in in the hospital uh he he had a statement about this stuff and he asked lots of questions about a vaccine and he he knows this because it's, it's his work area and he said yeah there's no way that you can produce a vaccine uh, in this short amount of time no matter what money you put in and we have seen this also w with AIDS and other uh, vaccinations he said and even that is not not still under control uh, so how could we uh, yep. safely produce a, a, a vaccine and the vaccine for uh, Mexican uh, flu? There were claims uh, from the whole world from people that got ill of the chemicals that were in that. So like, that makes me think, um, how do I want to word this? So if what you're saying is true, and this is true information that there's just not the time it takes too long a time long and there's to make this vaccination for this yeah according to the yeah. david prince the, okay. the lung doctor okay so now this is happening and this is if this is true and a vaccination does come out is it possible because what i know about computer viruses uh, these computer viruses that people get on their computers, what I've discovered is that these, a lot of these computer viruses are made, are made by the computer virus anti, or the computer antivirus companies. Yeah, so, so now, as um, we go further, if this virus was created by somebody. Is it possible that this somebody also has the antivirus? And they're just waiting for everybody to want it. And then we're going to be dealing with this shit in the coming future. Ben, do you have anything to add on that? No. I don't know how the audio is working, but I'm getting some feedback still here, but I, I do have something. So according to the United States Court of Federal Claims website, this is something that I got through a link from uh, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Oh, by the way, if ever 
we could get him on our show, that would be something great. So if somehow Robert, Robert Kennedy Jr. is watching this in two weeks, we'd love to have you on our show. Yeah, right. That would be amazing. Uh, so what it's saying here is that just from the influenza seasonal vaccines right now, the federal courts have, have seen cases that have accumulated to $900 million in damages for people who took these wonderful saving vaccines, meaning they got things like Guillain-Barre syndrome, they got transverse myelitis, chronic inflammatory disorders of all sorts of types, and uh, just a multitude of things. And it's like, hmm, so that's practically a billion dollars in damages have been paid out, and anybody that knows much about those kind of payouts, they are generally extremely on the side of the, uh, the producer of the chemical or the drug side until it's like there's such a force that the dam breaks that they can't deny anymore. I mean, if we look at history, like so many things have come along. Oh, it's good for you. It's good for you. And then there's like a consciousness of people figuring out, connecting the dots by free thinking that, wait a minute where this is happening, there's an expanding number of problems of this type related to that. Oh, but scientifically, you know, are we going to sit around for another 30 years while they conduct double blind placebo controlled tests and all this stuff? Are we just going to figure out ahead? This probably is hold a good on, hold on one thing we talked about. You just cut off. Hold on. Go back and how, how far? Just like maybe... 15 seconds. Okay. So yeah, free thinking. You get a group of people starting to take note that there's a thing, a causal relationship that can be drawn. People are exposed to this chemical or eating this food. This result keeps happening. Do we really need to wait 10, 20, 30 years for these double blind university controlled placebo, blah, blah, blah studies to figure out dummy. If you hit your head that way, it's going to hurt and you're going to end up with some kind of a brain bleed eventually. Or just blindly trust that these people in a matter of weeks or months, or like Matt had suggested, they created it. They've already created the solution. We're just going to blindly trust this because they have our best interests. I mean, yeah. in the future, they is like a subject all on its own. How the idea of they is even a thing. Who the hell are they? Like, <laughs> yeah, you've, you can, hear about them as the Illuminati, the elite, the 1%, um, the, what is the Bilderberg group? Is that? Yeah, so many things. The deep state. Right. uh, Every every one of these names, even us saying this on this podcast. Yeah. Welcome to the podcast, everybody. (laughs) Part of they. Yeah, right. And, um, but you, in, in your little, uh, what you just said, I think you helped me create a new name for our group. Oh, cool. Connecting the dots. I mean, <laughs> it's like they teach you. Oh, right. Yeah. It's like the people controlling media and school are there to tell you you're not capable of connecting the dots, but they are. And they'll tell you how to connect them. Don't yeah. color outside the lines. They'll tell you the lines. And that's the thing is, uh, we're living in a society all over the world right now where the illusion of freedom 
is given to people by giving them the, the freedom of choice. But if the freedom of choice is inside the color, uh, inside the thing we're coloring, inside the box, is it really free freedom? Or is it freedom to choose between getting the flu or getting strep throat? <laughs> Which one do you want? You know? Yeah. And so I think us to coming together here is, is, is great because I know you three very well. And I know you, you three aren't scared to tell everybody like what you're thinking and you're not scared to, to, to get uncomfortable about it because a lot of people don't want to have a talk about vaccinations. And when we get into the topic in a couple of weeks, even further, um, I mean, the whole spectrum of this vaccination thing, it, it goes into everything from getting your, your children vaccinated to, yeah, to the vaccination for all these diseases, especially now. And so what I would like to do real quick is go through a little bit of history of it and we'll discuss in what we'll discuss this history and Ben kind of went into it and Chris went into it a little bit about what's in it. But when I talk to my clients about vaccinations and I say, are they really good for you? Am I the only one that thinks that taking a vaccine that's made in a lab for this COVID-19 virus, do I, am, I, am I the only one that thinks that's a ridiculous idea based on the mortality rate of this disease? And everybody's like, yeah, but you have to protect the other people and you have to protect the vulnerable. But I honestly don't think this vaccine is going to do that. Everything we've been doing about this whole thing, I think is, 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 in my opinion, is wrong. Especially when you start reading about vaccinations and the history of them. And so this article or this post that I found, it says, without question, the go-to disease to defend vaccinations is polio. And coincidentally, it's also the greatest lie and medical con job of all time. Toxins causing polio is well-documented, and polio is the virus that never was. And in 1824, metal workers had suffered for centuries from a paralysis similar to polio caused by the, by the lead and arsenic in the metals that, were work, that they were working with. And English scientist John Cook observed, the fumes from these metals um, or the acceptance of them in solution in the stomach often caused paralysis. So that's in 1824. So then you have something going on similar to polio documented that causes polio-like symptoms. That's in 1824. And in 1890, lead arsenate pesticides started to be sprayed in the US up to 12 times every summer to kill what they call coddling moth on apple crops. So they're using that same type of chemicals on pesticide spraying. Two years later, um, polio outbreaks begin to occur in Vermont, an apple growing region. And the reports, the government inspector, uh, Dr. Charles Calvary noted that parents reported that some children fell ill after eating fruit. He stated that infantile paralysis is usually occurred in families with more than one child 
And as no efforts were made at isolation, it was very certain it was non-contagious with only one child in families having been struck. Okay, that's in 1892. Then you get in 1907, calcium arsenate comes into use primarily on cotton crops. A year later, 1908, in Massachusetts town with three cotton mills and apple orchards, 69 children suddenly fell ill with infantile paralysis. 1909, the United Kingdom bans apple imports from the United States because of heavy lead arsenate residues. 1921, Franklin D. Roosevelt develops polio after swimming in the Bay of Fundy, New Brunswick. The toxicity of the water, it's possible, may be due to the pollution of runoff of chemicals. Then we have DDT introduced as a neurotoxic pesticide. And over the next several years, it comes into a widespread use in American households. And if you don't know what DDT does, I, was, I would suggest everybody research that on the internet. They also used it in wallpaper and placed this in children's bedrooms. Then you have a, in the same year, a polio epidemic in the United Kingdom town of Broadstairs, Kent, linked to a a dairy farm where cows were washed and given DDT that was that was found in their water supply. Then we go into 1944 and Albert Sabine reports that the significant cause of sickness and death of American troops based in the Philippines was poliomyelitis. U.S. military camps there were sprayed daily with DDT to kill mosquitoes. Neighbor and Philippine settlements were not affected. This is something I never ever knew until I seen this. Now a report from the NIH reports that DDT damaged the anterior horn cells that are damaged in infantile paralysis. 1946, they show a correlation between uh, polio Polio's uh, kind of how do they, how do you say that? Polio's they call it seasonality correlates directly with the fruit harvest. Now we're getting into 1949. Endocrinologist Dr. Morton Biskind, a practitioner and medical researcher, found that DDT causes lesions in the spinal cord similar to human polio virus. 1949 to 1951, other doctors report that they're having success treating polio with antitoxins used to treat poisoning, dimercaprol and ascorbic acid. For an example, Dr. Dr. Klenner stated the poliomyelitis epidemic in North Carolina in 1948, 60 cases of this disease came under our care. The treatment was massive doses of vitamin C every two to four hours. Children up to four years received vitamin C injection intramuscularly. All patients were clinically well after 72 hours. And again, with Dr. Biskind in 1950, he presents evidence to the US Congress that pesticides were the primary cause of polio epidemics. He was joined by Dr. Ralph Scobie, who reported he found clear evidence of poisoning when analyzing chemical traces in the blood of polio victims. So 
there's a comment here that says this was a no-no. The viral causation theory was not something to be questioned. The careers of prominent virologists and health authorities were threatened. And Biskind and Scobie's ideas were then subjected to ridicule. 1953, they, uh, they used DDT to put on clothing as a moth-proof uh, chemical, apparently. Um, all right. And in 1953, Dusker Biskin writes, it was known it was known by 1945 that DDT was stored in the body fat of mammals and appeared in, mil in their milk. Yet far from admitting to causal relationship between DDT and polio that is so obvious, which in any other field of biology would be instantly accepted, virtually the entire apparatus of communication, uh, lay and scientific alike, has been devoted to denying, concealing, suppressing, distorting, and attempts to convert into its opposite this overwhelming evidence. Libel, slander, and economic boycott have not been overlooked in this campaign. 1954, legislation recognizing the dangers of persistent pesticides is enacted and a phase out of DDT in the US accelerates along with the shift in schools <laughs> of DDT to third world countries. Okay. Be patient with me, everybody. We're just, I'm just reading through this article. And God bless you, whoever sneezed in the background. Note that DDT is phased out at the same time as widespread polio vaccinations begin, saying that polio cause cases skyrocket only in communities that accept the polio vaccine, as the polio vaccine is laced with heavy metals and other toxins. So the paralysis narrative starts all over again as the polio vaccine causes considerable spikes in polio. The misinformed public demand more polio vaccine and the, and the cycle spirals skyward exponentially. In 1956, the American Medical Association mandated that all licensed medical doctors could no longer classify polio as polio. All polio diagnosis would be rejected in favor of Guillain-Barre syndrome acute flaccid paralysis, Bell's palsy, cerebral palsy, ALS, MS, multiple uh, dystrophy, et cetera, et cetera. This sleight of hand was fabricated with the sole intent of giving the public the impression that the polio vaccine was successful at decreasing polio or eradicating polio. The public bought this hook, line, and sinker, and to this very day, many pro-vaccine arguments are ignited by the manufactured lie regarding the polio vaccine eradicating polio. There's a book by Rachel Carson named Silent Spring, and she published this in 1962. I have not read it, I'm sorry, but uh, this is all new information that I recently came across. In 1968 then, DDT registration is canceled for the US. And now we're gonna fast forward from 1968, 40 years later, um, to 2008, and it says acute flaccid paralysis is still a uh, raging in many parts of the world where pesticide use is high and DDT is still used. Uh, muscu MS, muscular dystrophy, Bell's palsy, cerebral palsy, ALS, Guillain-Barr are all caught uh, 
basket diagnosis, all similar to symptoms tied to heavy metal poisoning and high toxic load. And then in 2008, the WHO states on its website, there is no cure for polio. Its effects are irreversible. And the conclusion here is the modern belief that polio is caused by a virus is, ongoing tragedy, is an ongoing tragedy for the children of the world. Public funds are wasted on useless and dangerous vaccines when the children uh, could be treated with antitoxins. A call into failing vaccine mythology is warranted, as is a complete investigation of the real agenda being executed against humanity involving science, chemicals, vaccines, the medical field in general, and the government. That puts everything in a, in a way that, you know, that's what my brain is always thinking is like something's not right about this. That's my brain, same. Yeah. And I think many brains in the world are thinking the same at this moment. And yeah. And, if, and guess, if you, yeah. guess what can be the, the cause of this COVID-19 then? If they have chemicals and DDT and they have it do, uh, documented that that's the cause of possible so-called polio. Yeah. Uh, the, what we got into last time was radiation poisoning from possible 5G because recent information I've came across is that uh, the 5G frequency resonates at the same frequency as the lungs of human beings. Is that true? Is I've heard something similar about that. That that five G can cause lung uh, problems. Um, I don't I don't know, and I could not say if it has something to do with the virus. But yeah, maybe it it attacks your immune system, and by that many people are less resistant. Uh, it could be that. It could it could be any anything. Um, that's waiting for an expert to come out with something. And that usually happens ten to ten years later when everything is a uh, is already uh, the damage is done. Well, talking right there specifically about radio. Hold on a second, Chris. Your your mic is not working very good. Is, it, is that a little better? Is it just proximity? No. Now it might be better. What's going on? You have headphones? Not for this one. The volume just too low, is that better? Uh, the volume is uh, cracking. Sounds like you sound like a robot. Yeah, it sounds like a transformer. <laughs> so this is our comic part of the show. Decepticon, no less. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Now we don't hear you at all. Wow. Uh, so 
A wise person once told me that if you have technical technical difficulties during an event, that you're on the right path. <laughs> yeah. True story. Can you hear me? Yeah, still a transformer. Oh, Decepticon, sorry. Then come back. Continue. Okay. Sounds like somebody's idling a, a dirt bike in the background behind you, Chris. Yeah, he, oh, he, he left. Okay. He'll be back. I got two cents, so I'll probably got a dollar fifty maybe to add. Um, after I read that earlier, that timeline, and I listened and I took notes on, on the things that were popping out at me as I was going through it. And how my brain freely works maybe unique i don't know but it maybe uh it, it, it's how my thoughts go from dot to dot and there's pieces of what was coming out in that that made me start thinking to ask a question and then another question and another question and another question so who who stood to profit by continuing this ddt thing to get to be used and used and used who stood to profit on the sale of that DDT, who then stood to profit by something on the other side of the economics of the farmers buying it and whatever they might be doing, even though people were getting sick, who stood to profit from just the sickness that was coming out of that, from the medical side of things, from creating jobs for people to take care of these term you know whatever illness and the people with these neurological conditions that were emerging going back further all the way to 1824 where people were already going gee there's a problem here it's because toxins and it's causing these neurological shutdowns in people so all the way back then so we're led to believe somehow through school that like people are so dumb and stupid now I got a motorcycle in my background. Sorry. People are so dumb and stupid, according to school, that anybody prior to modern time couldn't have had any good thing to do. Yet, yeah, so that's a fascinating thing. If you ever hear about history and there's these giant libraries in like Babylon and these different places in history that got burnt down, but like what valuable things did they know that filled up these enormous libraries hundreds or even a few thousand years ago? So obviously someone was pretty smart. They can't figure out how to, how to reconstruct the pyramid to the perfection of design that they made. What's to say that people didn't have high, high levels of any type of function, being health or education or whatever it might have been that have been lost and or kept from us today. So what's the motive? Like, I'm always wanting to know who did the thing and what was their motive? and just keep digging. Like I already dug in here. We know Jonas Salk is the guy that's credited with the polio vaccine. He refused or he didn't try to patent it, but they said that there was something interesting here that he couldn't patent it because it conflicted with prior art. That means that somebody else had patented something that was similar enough to what he did that he couldn't claim this as a totally unique thing. So like with that information, you got to start asking if I had the time, I would dive deep and go, okay, what was the prior art? Like, what were those people doing? Who owned, who controlled that technology that kept this guy that patented the cure that stopped the epidemic of polio 
who owned all that that made him not able to patent a thing that in the modern world would have made the guy bazillions of dollars. You know, he's famous on other regards for his work and his research, but these questions start emerging when you start thinking with the information that Matt presented, at least for me, it's like, okay, we we're, we're doling out lead and arsenic. We didn't really maybe know in the 1800s or 1700s, those were horrible. Maybe they did. Maybe they had to rediscover something that had been known for a long time, but clearly they knew it in 1824. This is a problem. Stop giving it to people. No, 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 no. I mean, you still got to sign off when you sell a house in the U.S., like a lead disclosure. Do you know of lead paint being used presently in your home? Like, it's a problem, but yet it was being used and used and used and used. It's like arsenic. Well, you know, there's old books and movies and things that are talking about doling out arsenic. It's a poison. Duh. <laughs> so... For me, this is how free thinking goes. No one told me I should go look up any of those things while he was reading. Nobody told me I should jot down outlines and things that came to my mind to ask questions. That's how you think freely. No one tells me I can't think with information he presented, that I can't ask questions below the surface. If you don't ask questions, you just accept face value and then what? You're subject to other people's will being imposed on you. And that's a blanket statement for life. Not just, is this scenario bad? Or is this, it's everything in life. There's a this, and there's a that. But why is there a this and that? And like asking why and who and what starts opening up a world of possible reality that these they people don't want you to think about. Because if enough people think and realize, wow, we, that's why our US constitution starts with we, the people, because we have power and they don't want us to figure that out. Because if enough of us just one day go, this is BS, I'm sick of it, I'm gonna go back to living my life and in fact, while we're at it, how about all of the they people get out of here and we do something new that is good for people? Just a thought. Yes, that. <laughs> well, thought. If you think about it, the whole thing you're talking about, Ben, now, the divide and conquer principle. <laughs> The divided states of America has never been more divided than it is now. And but I think, though, if I interrupt real quick, I'm sorry, but I, I think you're, you're right, and it is divided, and I think it's divided because of what Ben was just saying. There's a percentage of people who are awake to what is really going on, and then there are a lot of people who are divided between themselves about things that they want us to be divided about that we talk about vaccines abortion any hot button issue that makes people angry that they can blame something on or talk about on one side or the other yeah if we can inform enough of the people then we get a chance and that's what this is right yeah and so if people want to know the power of collective consciousness i suggest they just maybe research on the internet the hundred monkey study um, and 
if this whole thing, if we were just right at that tip of that point, right, right, right there, where people started to get this collective consciousness uh, idea working in the favor of what's good in this world, and in order to stop them from causing more problems in the world for everybody, and human beings were right at that brink of the collective consciousness shift that's necessary for the improvement of the future. And social distancing is the perfect weapon against it. And if you want to get into that realm, yeah, they, they did it perfectly. They're, they just put a huge attack on the collective consciousness of all human beings in the name of fear. And that's why we're here in this discussion is because we're not we're we're not scared of this. We we're we're going to be the people that are going to be bringing this shit to the to the surface so other people can start talking about it. Because it is a real big problem. It is it is a problem that needs a solution and in order to get this solution, discussion over what is true and getting more people to start connecting the dots and thinking freely, asking questions questioning what they've been told is very important. And yeah, I'm really happy you guys are here on this call with us about this. Just Chris, did you have some stuff before your mic cut out that you wanted to go into? Well, you guys were talking about 5G and you know the well, radiation, radiation sickness, all the different stuff that was going on there. And um, so it is my understanding that the human body electrically operates at the same frequency that our electrical current systems do, the AC current traveling through your home, right? Well, at least here in America it is. Uh, that's why they call it the 60 hertz shuffle. When you hook up to the electrical <laughs> outlet, you can't stop and somebody has to knock you off because it travels at the same frequency as the human body. So it picks you up and you're grounded, right? So um, that has something to do with it, but regardless of whether it operates on the same frequency as some, some part of the body. I, and I don't know if there are specific parts of the body that operate at different electrical frequencies, but we have known for a long time that radio waves are not harmless. The cell phones in our pocket and the computers in front of us are not harmless. It is an acceptable amount of radiation that we are taking on so that we can use these devices and be around this stuff and have the society that we have. Um, the, the real problem with it is sometimes we do develop a technology or somebody comes up with something errantly that causes real problems. And I think I talked about it a little bit last time we were talking about the Motorola radios and um, my father had a Motorola radio on his shoulder when he was an officer and uh, he got brain cancer and he was part of the lawsuit and it, they paid for the surgery and took care of everybody and all that stuff and it kind of ended up being okay. Um, and Motorola at the time didn't know that that was going to happen to these people. They wouldn't have released the radio, but it did happen and it could be happening now. And it, it could be that it's an errant technology that we just don't know enough about. And it is dangerous and we create dangerous things all the time. We were talking about chemicals and all that stuff, you know, Agent Orange and DDT, you know, those are things that we probably wish we could uninvent sometimes. Um, but when we do these things, we have to just pay attention. And if it comes up, especially very quickly like this, do something to correct the problem 
The problem with this is they've invested so much money in this that it would be hard for them to fix it. And that's a real issue because by and large, in the past, it seems like whenever profit is uh, important and, and or in jeopardy because of something like that, people usually lose. Uh, and again, I think that's why we're here. We want to get enough people that think that the narrative that they're telling us is not enough of the truth and is not part of what needs to be our lives. They are lying to us. We need to kick them out. We need to get these people out of, out of our society in its entirety. And we certainly have to stop taking care of them, making sure that they're well-dressed and putting them on TV. This, that's got to stop. Um, I, I make a joke about it. I think in the fifties, you know, we put the people in politics there so that we could watch the worst people in the world and keep a close eye on them, but they're really out of hand and nobody's watching them anymore. And that's bad. And we got to get them out of there. There's, it seems like the checks and balances system on our governments have failed. Um, it's not that the checks and balances have failed. I gotta be honest with you, man. I think we've failed. I, th I think we as, as a people, isn't, as a, isn't as a, the people supposed to be in charge of that? We are supposed to be in charge of it. And, and we haven't been in a long, long time and we don't pay attention to the laws that they write anymore. And, you know, writing a new law is not necessarily the solution to a problem. It really, it really isn't. And oftentimes there are better solutions than writing a law. Uh, and the more laws that we have, maybe, I think it was Churchill who said it, uh, you know, in the land of a thousand laws, it, it, they're all irrelevant. It, there's just thousands of laws, but there's no real, there's no basic code that's easy enough for a majority of the people to follow. And that was the idea behind the United States. And we've allowed these people to divide us in a way and allow the groups of people who have an opinion to force their opinion on other groups of people. And that's not what we're about. Um, and that's, that's their divide and conquer. Yeah. Cause, and they create terms or they, um, the hot button issues. Abortions, Sla yeah. Slander, conspiracy, cons conspiracy theory. You slander them people and oh, it's just a conspiracy theory. And that keeps it very difficult for the free thinkers to, to get the truth about certain things to people to, to hear. Because once you start talking about, once you have those, you know, those, um, what was that thing you said, Ben, like a hot, a hot word, or it was like the, the word controversy, a buzzword. It's like it's buzzwords. Yeah. It's so like it puts the blinders on. It's like you hear the word, no brain eyes. It's just a total shutdown. Yeah. It's like, Oh, can't no truth. Ah. If I listen to that, I'm one of you. Right. Right. <laughs> Exactly. So it's like pe people have been like con conditioned to think anything other than a narrative given by school, their education that they paid for in their, in their secondary education and or television. If it's not coming from those sources, you can't question it. Nope. <laughs> and my call to action right now for everybody that's listening to this, this is the beginning stages of this podcast and maybe there's not a lot of people listening to this right now, but we have to start somewhere and we are starting here now and at creating a space 
for people to think for themselves and think freely. And this call to action is look into the questions that maybe you have in your head and don't be scared of them. Because if you're having a gut instinct that's saying that something's not right about this, this is a real feeling your body creates. And it's probably true. Joshua, um, you froze. I was going to ask you a question. Am I, am I back now? Nope. Yeah, whenever you, whenever you go looking up things, you freeze. Huh. So be very careful what your face looks like before you start looking up things on your <laughs> I'll do a pose before I look so, up something. So it's, 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 yeah, that's, that's exactly. <laughs> so, so now let's get into the psychology behind this a little bit. And, um, yeah, what, I w what was I saying before it was? The, the psychology of, of all this is uh, fear and shame or um, uh, psychosocial emotions. And they're used to control people as long as we live. So it is, it is embedded in our DNA to, um, to be shameful and, and have fear. Because it, for tens of thousands of years, the, the, when you didn't belong to the group and you were cast out, that meant certain death. And we know from... Um, the Nature Nurture Science 2012 that uh, emotions and um, uh, trauma can be embedded in our DNA for survival. So that is also why a little baby rabbit uh, jumps in this hole directly when something flies over. It gives us more a chance of survival if we uh, have these emotions embedded in our DNA and government and, and also a lot, of, a lot of other organizations have used this information uh, for ages uh, that they use the fear and the shame, the psychosocial emotions uh, to control a lot of people and with with fear, you can achieve almost anything. I don't, I don't know if it was Stalin or the guy before that. He said, um, fear is better than respect because you get more people to follow with fear than when they respect somebody. I'm not, I don't know if I agree with that. I thought it was Stalin, but he's got a point. Sorry? Machiavelli. Machiavelli? He's a French dude. Okay, but he's got a point. Uh, if you em em embed a lot of fear in people, they will do almost anything. They will ask for the vaccine. Please, vaccine, vax me. Because that's what that's what they're doing now, everywhere. Some of them, yeah, yeah. But I would. A lot of people are really waiting for this vaccination, and they're not going to stop living in fear until they they get one. Yeah. That's the thing, and the the psychosocial stuff that's that's going on uh, is also that you're slandered when you have a different opinion. So the shame, fear, 
emotion kicks in again. Yeah, and everybody wants to belong because it's in our nature. And, and we're like um, animals that follow each other all the time. They live in herds. Uh, you call it sheeple, I think, in America. Uh, here we uh, we call it kuddedieren. So, yeah, that's been used for a long time. And I see it everywhere is going on now. That's yeah, my conclusion. Anybody have? I think that that is the same thing. I think that's a product of the misinformation and the disinformation and people not having enough information. And I think the irony, of course, is that we live in the information age with cell phones and immediate access to worldwide events. And somehow we are unable to overcome this obstacle. And I, I wish we could wake up enough people to that. That would that would, would be my want. I want to find a way to do that. So first, then I got an idea. A collective consciousness test would be to get enough people on the world to meditate about a thing to change in the world. For example, pink is now purple. And then if enough people meditate and shift this consciousness that really will shift in their head that pink is now purple and then you get people that <laughs> don't know anything about this going on and then you ask these people what color is that and what was purple before they say now is pink <laughs> that's that's like a test to show that's how collective they actually did something similar to that in in washington dc but uh I, I think quantum physics said whoever believed more strongly that the color was what they thought it was oh, would probably have been there. But that's interesting What when we get into quantum physics and about human nature and the human condition and the human uh, things going on. Uh, Chris, you were, you were a nuclear engineer, correct? For the U.S. Navy, I was. Yeah, yeah. So now imagine they had this... Um, I can't remember where it was, but the story goes that there was this uh, nuclear reactor or it was a collider, uh, a superconductor collider. I'm trying to think what the what this thing was that they were working on. It was a military-based thing, and they couldn't get... Um, they couldn't get the system up and running accurately. It, it didn't do what the, they thought it was supposed to do, this machine. And they had a bunch of people working in this facility. But then somebody decided to make only one person in the facility at a time. And the results of what was expected changed with each person. Every time. Every with time. Each, and what they thought would be the outcome. Yeah. You know more about that story? So I, I've, I've heard uh, a couple of variations of that. And I think the first one that I heard, of, I don't know if it was the first one that was done or not, but the first one that I heard of uh, was at the Stanford campus, actually, at the Linear Accelerator there. Um, and it's a little bit off the campus, but it's a, it's a pretty cool place. Um, and 
the experiments that they were doing, what they were finding was that their conclusions at the end of these experiments were just so varied. And it didn't matter what their constants and their variables were. They just weren't getting the results that they thought that they were going to get until they added the variable that is the human consciousness and what they were thinking about and what their thoughts on what would happen would happen. And what they found was that when they collectively believed that something would be the outcome at this linear accelerator, that it would happen. And to, to back up your, your same story there, yeah. that you know, small groups of people that were able to accomplish this task having a collective consciousness. And I think there was another interesting part of it where there were moments where they were trying to affect the outcome, but one of the people really didn't. And to me, that makes that's super interesting. And I don't know why other people, if they hear this story, when you even talk about it, it's what Ben did. Their eyes and ears are covered. They don't want to hear about this type of stuff because they, that, that will make them, their brain explode. Uh, everybody listen to the show. Joshua Bodwines has another appointment he's got to get to. So he's going to be leaving our show. And we appreciate you as always having you on our show and, um, and being part of this. And we're going to be seeing you in a couple weeks for the next one. I appreciate being part of this wisdom, uh, wisdom uh, rabbit hole, bros. Thank you very much. Is that another name for the group? <laughs> the wisdom <laughs> rabbit hole. Okay. <laughs> bye bye. All right. See you later. So yeah, it's it's to me this type of stuff. First thing my brain goes into is that really true? It it because if it is, why aren't more people talking about things like this? that type of thing is crazy cool for the potential that humans have and possess. I think we're not talking about it for the very simple reason that I think both, well, all three, you, Josh and Ben all hit on. Uh, and it's the idea that it's not really part of the narrative. And I think it's interesting, you know, the way that we use electricity, the way that we set up our entire world has so much to do with Nikola Tesla. And now, all of a sudden, in these last 10 years, he's really gotten some of the recognition that he really deserved. Um, but he changed the, the entire world and had the potential to do so much more and make this place very different even than it looks now. And he didn't get the opportunity to do that because when he took the idea to J.P. Morgan and he told him that he was going to be doling out free electricity and that they would be selling antennas, he shut him down there's no profit in that. And I think that when we allow the investors to take control of great ideas that we put money before society, just in general, you know, if we talk about these people who want socialism and they want all of these things, um, I don't see them doing a lot to better the condition of society through these means. I see them trying to make laws and herd the people. Yeah. And that, that is what concerns me the most is that there's going to be like a point of no return. I think we're approaching it. I think yeah. that we're, because I think there's a lot of people that are waking up because they're like, Hey, something's wrong. I want to do something. And none of us really know what to do. We've been part of the narrative so long and 
have been raised in it, our parents were raised in it, that it's hard to fight the matrix. It, it is. You were in it. And, um, you know, the idea that, that something is wrong and that we have the power to change it is very, very far away. Governments are very powerful. The people who run them are very far away from us and protected, and we don't really have anything to do with it. Um, and, and that's not really the case. We all just have to get out of our house and avoid the social distancing rule and show up at the gate and say, hey, we need to talk. Yeah. So that's, an, yeah, getting that organized and doing that is what's stopping people from doing it. Because everybody gets into it. What can I do? Yeah, that's all it is. Is understanding people is the strength, unity, collective consciousness for one goal, and that's just to improve the world, make it a better place. That's all we want to do. But we can't have people conditioning us all how to think and feel and act and behave towards each other. Because that's where we're at. We are a conditioned society to think and feel, behave, and treat others how we've been taught. And that's a, that's a huge, huge concern for me because we're, what does that do for the future generations? What does that do for my daughter's future? It, it, yeah, that's where we're at. No and autonomy. And that's where, the, yeah, we're going to be like the Borg. <laughs> Pretty soon we'll be all chipped. I like to call it, we've developed a world full of NPCs. They're like non-player characters. They have a box of operation. As long as they interact, they, they can walk over to that and they can walk back to here. And they have eight interactive lines. And if you go off script, they can't respond or incoherently respond and then they do nothing unexpected they're very predictably boxed into the role they can't it's interesting uh, i think ryan reynolds is going to be in a movie that's coming out where he's been an npc in a video game for all of his existence and suddenly he has choices and he can become the hero i get a kick out of it because is i've it, been on is that NPC matrix part well. five <laughs> I mean, it should be. We I mean, got Matrix Part Four coming out, so that's yeah. interesting. Yeah, I feel like I just have this thought, like about what is the end? What is what would I like to picture the culmination of what we're even talking about look like? And I think the biggest thing that comes into my head is there be a point, whether you're a Chinese person and Israeli person, an Iraqi person, uh, somebody from Congo or Canada or the Netherlands or the US, regardless. One day, we people just, if you're in the military, if you're in police, if you're in whatever, just put your stuff down and you just collectively say, no more to they. And start doing things that add value to the world because I always feel that me, my driving goal, my, my, my driving values in my own life are my autonomy, which is I get to do what I want to do as long as it is 
realistically legal and ethical. I'm not harming people. And it's to figure out how to be the ultimate version of myself to the people that I feel meant to make their life better. So if you're in Afghanistan and you got what you got, figure out how to make that be the best thing that you can be. If you're over here and the people that were there are no longer there to screw those people over and whatever they're trying to have a war to steal most likely from them, that's done. Now we have suddenly an area that can be prosperous. In the African continent, the most richest resource filled place on earth what the hell can we stop genociding these people so they can get people with the prefrontal cortex evolved enough to make good leadership decisions develop things stop allowing all these assassinations and very little of the population getting to an advanced age to be good leaders like can we just stop the bullshit and like make logic like in the movie, uh, whatever, the Black Panther, there's this hidden place in Africa where everybody's super wealthy and super advanced. But that's almost like they throwing in our face what should be. Because that's like the cradle of, what a cradle of civilization is over there. It's not America. It's not China. It's freaking right up there in Africa. That's the cradle of civilization. Why is it like, you through this whole thing, have you heard anything about Africa as a continent, giant continent, having a problem with COVID-19? No. Well, I know South Africa is locked down. Oh, but it's just like, that's a teeny little piece yeah, at the and, bottom yeah. where all the white people live. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can't say that. But, I mean, yeah, what are we doing here? Yeah. What are we doing here? But at the end of the day, like, that's what I would like to see. Everybody collectively just say enough. Like, if the general tells people an order, but the general's not going to give an order because he's had enough. <laughs> I think if enough people had enough simultaneously, we would quickly figure out who they were because they'd be the ones having a problem with everybody collectively having enough. And <laughs> Hey guys, you're yeah. Let's make new Australia and put them on an Island together. And <laughs> right. You guys, you guys know Alan Watts. Uh, I know the name. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Alan Watts, he, he, I think this was a few years ago and this would be a dream of mine as a way to the first thing that people can do to, you know, stop uh, is their infrastructure, the they's, theirs infrastructure on the control that they have over people one of its huge foundations of its uh, control is based on tax. And if everybody in the world stopped paying their tax, we would cripple them. We would hurt them and that would cause a panic. And, and I think that would expose a lot of people because the thing is, if the military was also in on this to not pay their taxes, they would support the people that say, no, we don't want to pay any more tax because we've paid enough. I want to use that money for something else. I want to use that money for something that's going to better the world in my life. But instead they keep taking our money and stealing it. Keep increasing the tax rates and keep taking more. And even in the Netherlands where I live, they just added 
they went from a food tax of 6% on food in the, in the, in the grocery stores. And just with no vote, no, 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 uh, no warning. They said, yep, now the tax is 9%. So they jumped from six to 9%. And the first thing I noticed when that changed, I was like, I was at the store, I was buying some groceries and I, I'm looking at the price. I'm like, that's weird. That's like, that's like a significant amount of money more than it was before. And if this is happening and nobody's speaking up, I just, I, it makes me think, what the hell are we going to do if nobody speaks up and are they going to go 12% next year? <laughs> yeah. Like this CARES Act over here is something interesting. They threw in, they, gave a raise of something 48, 49,000 annual raise on top of the exorbitant salaries that like uh, House of Representatives or Senate, whichever one. Boom, there's more money. No, who voted on? Nobody voted on that. They gave it to themselves. It's like they have their own special healthcare. They have lifetime salaries that are insane. They take all this money from all these groups. It's like, Personal security benefits. There, like there's no end to the rabbit hole. It, it, they're really not. And, and why is it that we have people that live this way on our dollars rather than being the public servants that the constitution talks about, right? It, this was supposed to be a thing that, that somebody came out of the woods and did because it was the right thing to do and people around them agreed with what was going on and their perspective on it. And then they did their four or eight years and then they went back to the farm or wherever it was that they were going. I think the political careers that we have now, these people that, you know, and, and that is the they, right? Like that's they, we, we allow them to operate the way that they do. Um, we, we have to put a stop to it, but how do we do that? And I think you guys are close to it. I think there's a first step. I think the first thing that we have to do is find a way to unplug and not inform, but let them be informed. Let them find the truth, right? Let them find the answers and have these people that are police officers and the military really look at what's going on and make a decision when the time comes and they say, hey, you're, you're going to fire on your own people. Yeah. And they're going to say yes or they're going to say no. And the amount of information that they have about what's going on is going to be the determining factor as to whether or not they pull the trigger. Yeah. And so the France, they had a big to do going on a revolution of some sorts. Media did not cover it in the U S at all, at all, really. I mean, there's a, there's something going on in Paris and then there's in other news that we want you to think about. It did come to a head where the military was like at a point of we're going to fire on our own people to stop this thing. And the military turned around and said, no, we're with the people. Not on the news. Nope. Same as that the thing in Iceland. Yeah. In Iceland, what they did is they took the equivalent to the U.S. Wall Street bankers and the Fed and the people marched on the Capitol uh and they said yeah we're coming in and you guys are going to jail and we're gonna 
we voted for 30 people to rewrite a constitution for our country. Right. And they're doing quite well within, you know, since they've done that, they've changed, they've flip-flopped their economy. Uh, the poor are not so poor anymore, which is good. And that's where I think in the, in the U S um, like if I were to have a chance ever to be in a political position, the number one thing you have to support and grow and stabilize and get into a thriving position is the bottom is the poorest of the poor. And we have to support that because that number is growing every single year. And those people don't have a voice anymore. They they're, they're forced into this slavery situation now because the system will not help them even get out of the hole they've, they've been put in. And a control all delete in the whole system would do the system quite, quite a good thing and just begin new, but that's not going to happen because everybody's scared to lose what they have because everybody's attached to their possessions and their life, their lifestyle, their, their money. And, and people aren't going to want to lose that, even though losing that might be the solution to making this world a better place for the future and giving our earth sustainability because the way right we're going, we're going to destroy this planet and the planet's just going to say goodbye humans. Thank you for being a virus on my, on my world. I don't need you anymore. And at this point, I think the earth is asking for people to stand up on the side of this mother nature that, that needs to, fight this corruption in this world otherwise the earth will just say okay it's enough and another thing i was going to say is um a little bit of a call to action to anybody listening who is in political power governors governor of california governor of new york whatever they have on you to make you keep the states closed the way you're doing it. If that's, if, if they have you blackmailed into doing this because you have something, some dirt skeletons in your closet, uh, what you're doing now is going to be way worse than, than what they can do to you. If they're um, holding information or holding evidence to blackmail these governors. I think that's a possibility that they have dirt on all the political people and they get like the Epstein Island people. All these people are basically held hostage to do what they want. Or am I going off not, on something? Not a bad theory. The, the same. Yeah, I mean, if we're talking about how much they use fear. Yeah, so if they hold dirt on somebody, a governor of a state, the governor is probably deep down not wanting to close his state to, to, to create a crisis and to create a recession. Uh, but guess what? His fear of losing what he's got, he's going to do that. Well, and even just the, on, the, on the funding level, you know, if it to threaten to take away federal funding is a big thing. Um, and then the next level is, you know, you, you get something, uh, the federal government can certainly 
and has in the past enforced its will on several states and told them they're going to do something one way or the other. And in a couple of cases, they were wrong. And in a couple of cases, they were right. But that may be a factor in it too, whether or not they actually have something on them. And I, I think sometimes I just kind of play devil's advocate with it because, you know, it is hard for people to, to bite off and, and accept a, a conspiracy, if you will, or something like that. Um, but I don't think that it's very far-fetched either that there are conspiracies out there and conspiracy, like one, more than one person <laughs> in on an idea to commit a crime or make someone else commit a crime is a conspiracy, right? Like it's just more than one person that wants to commit a crime. I don't think that's uh, outlandish or far-fetched at all. I think there's plenty of people out there and they don't even need to have an organization. They can just take turns. Where reads the profit wheel. Yeah. And so anybody listening, um, please start thinking freely for yourself. Start asking these questions. Go dive down the rabbit hole. Go exactly. find some of these stories for yourself. Go look around. Open your eyes. Maybe, maybe CNN doesn't have all the answers. Maybe they don't have any. And... Also, if you think we're all full of shit here talking how we're talking, let us know. I want to know what you think about it. Please do. I, I, you know, I don't care what others think, but I want to know what they think. I want to, even if it's totally against what I'm saying, if they're thinking freely with their own free will, that's good. Because that's what makes us strong is the fact that we all are unique in our own way of thinking. And if we can synergize that strength, that makes human beings a very strong force to deal with. So I think we're going to end this call. It's we went, went for about an hour and a half again, which is actually almost two hours so people listening to us we're, we're glad you're listening and we're here for you to give you encouragement to think for yourself think freely question authority question what you've been told and we're going to keep doing this until i'm going to keep doing this until i can't can't keep doing this so, until we start making a difference and they shut us off. <laughs> so in a couple of weeks, the plan is to get a couple of experts to go into the vaccinations more in detail because people want to hear expert advice and we're just creating the segue to that and why people should come listen to that show because uh, this is a big deal. If people are misinformed about what the vaccinations really are doing to, to the human uh, physiology and, and we're being lied to, it's very important that people uh, stand up against this. Because even if you're scared to be alone, you're not alone. There is a lot more of them, uh, a lot more of us than there are of them. They aren't that many people. So, anybody else want to add anything? 
No, you wrapped it up. That's the whole point of wrap up. So, everybody, <laughs> we're going to sign off and stay relaxed. <laughs>